0: How many people here have played a team sport before, like where you're, you're, you have to work together to, to play the sport, right? Most sports are that way. Even in high school, wrestling is actually a team sport because you score points not only individually, but it adds up for the team, right, uh, for the meat. Uh, and so the passage that we're reading in the Bible today, you know, it's the end of a letter, and the Apostle Paul Writing this letter to these first century Christians, and he's kind of closing the letter. And kind of like we would, he says a lot, has a lot of little messages, you know, tell so and so I said hi, or my buddy who's with me wants to pass on a hello to this other person, and there's some of that, um, but. But what we're going to notice in here is that there's a lot of people that made up the ministry team that Paul was a part of. It wasn't like you know the Paul show, you know, uh, and it was about him. It was uh, it was the entire group of people. and And I, I hope that you'll see here, if you don't already know this, that you know ministry that the church does the and the church meaning just the group of believers here locally here is it 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 takes all of us uh to to really do what God wants the church to accomplish It takes all kinds of people from all kinds of places from all kinds of backgrounds uh with all kinds of gifts and skills it 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 takes them all and so uh that's one of the things I think we can take away from this passage today. Sometimes people kind of speed pass through the end when they get all the the little last-minute notes uh, at the end of Paul's letters, but I think there's, there's a good message for us here today. Um, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for uh, just the, the blessing it is to gather together here today in the name of Jesus. And Father, we just ask and pray for the, your blessing on our time. We've been blessed by the music. We've been blessed by being able to sing to you and to one another um, truth today. And, Lord, we, just, we need that. We need the reminder of who you are. We need uh, to sing to you, worship, and we need the fellowship. We need the interaction here with each other to encourage one another, to continue in the faith, to continue follow Jesus and learn what it means to follow Jesus. And so, Lord, we just um, ask for your blessing on the rest of this time. Also, Lord, we do want to pray and lift up for what's going on across the world in the Ukraine. Lord, we do pray for safety and protection of these uh, Ukrainian citizens there. Lord, protect them. We pray for the church leaders there as they care for church members affected by the conflict. And Lord, we also want to pray for some missionaries who may be displaced right now as they seek to ministers to those who remain in harm's way. We pray that you'd help them. Uh, we pray, too, that the Ukrainian people uh, would look to the gospel of Jesus Christ for hope during this challenging time. Lord, we do pray for peace there. We pray that things would come to a a close and and have a peaceful resolution, God. Lord, we also want to lift up people in our midst, Lord, in our church family who need your healing touch today, whether it be physically, spiritually, or emotionally. Maybe those are really struggling with depression. Lord, pull them out of the pit. God, let them stand on Jesus as they go through whatever it is they're going through. Lord, we just um, ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We're going to read through this passage here uh, in Colossians. We again, we've been in the book of Colossians, and the big theme um, of this whole book is that Christ is overall; He's preeminent; He's first. Um, you know, I, I could think—I I mean, I can't think of how many times over the last decade where I've heard somebody say, "It's about Jesus." Yes, it is, and that's really what He's. Paul's saying in this book especially, it's about Jesus and He is our focus. And so we're talking about, again, ministry is a team sport. And we're going to look at verses, uh, chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. Uh, If you're able to today, would you stand with me? Um, This is, again, part of our tradition as a church. Many times we'll stand in honor of the Word of God. Basically, you're not standing for my benefit, you're standing because this is the Word of God. And so, if you're able to read aloud, please do so. If you cannot, then just listen. Listen to the word being read. All right, here we go. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage our hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, is one with one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand, remember my chains, grace be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Please have a seat. You know, that last line's kind of interesting, isn't it? Um... And so, in my studies, I learned that a lot of times, you know, people would dictate letters, but the last line or two, they would write in their own handwriting to authenticate and confirm it was them who wrote it. Like, this has my stamp of approval, you know? I thought that was kind of interesting, Yeah. All right, so ministry is a team sport, right? Um, In this list of people that are mentioned here, you have a runaway slave that's mentioned, a restored backslider, and a doctor, among others. That's quite the diverse group, okay? Uh, and what I'd like to, to look at here is is to just take a look here as that doing ministry takes a team of committed followers of Jesus. And I'm just going to mention some things about some of these people. Uh, and there's definitely application to come, but I want you to 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 listen to some of the information we might learn about some of these folks the first two individuals we come on in this list uh uh Tychicus right is mentioned there as well as Onesimus they're the two people tasked with bringing the letter okay they are they're the ones who have, have brought this letter to the church right there's no mail service no email right you can't use WhatsApp i mean it's just it, you, You have to have a courier, somebody that you can trust, a faithful follower of Jesus is what they would be looking for. And so Tychicus uh, is one of those mentioned. He traveled with Paul on his last journey to Jerusalem. That's mentioned in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Um, A lot of times when you get to passages like this, if you have a Bible that has cross-references, It'll take you to these places I'll mention, right? And so, in the book of Acts, we have Paul's missionary, among many things, we have Paul's missionary journeys, right, listed there. And so, uh, but Tychicus is mentioned as one of those. He's mentioned as a beloved brother, a fellow servant in the Lord, as it says there, right, in verses 7 and 8. Now, uh, let me go back, sorry, mentioned something about Onesimus, right? So now Onesimus, uh, as we learned from verse nine, it says he's sent with Tychicus and uh, to update the Colossians on how Paul's doing. Like these guys are going to tell you how things are going with me; they'll update you. Now, uh, what's interesting to note, if you don't know, but the the letter to Philemon is also like related to this individual. Paul wrote a letter to Philemon. Uh, because he wanted to ask him to forgive Onesimus. Onesimus was in his charge as a slave, and he ran away. All right, and so if you read the letter to Philemon, you'll see that um, Onesimus was came to faith in Jesus through Paul's ministry somehow. All right, and now Paul and Onesimus became close friends, and he was useful to Paul in ministry. And so that whole uh, little letter to Philemon is all about forgiveness, all about forgiveness. And so I urge you to read it. Um, but uh, Ones- this Onesimus here is that same one that's written about um, in uh, the book of Philemon. Now, next we get to uh, three Messianic Jews are mentioned. Well, what do we, uh, you may not know what a Messianic Jew is. Well, it's someone who's of Jewish heritage Right. Born as a Jew, uh, but who has come to put their faith in Jesus. Okay, that's what we call a Messianic Jew. It's a Christian, okay, just of Jewish descent. Okay, that's that's what it is. And so the three mentioned in this letter are Aristarchus, uh, Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, and uh, someone named Jesus called Justice. Now, Jesus was a common name. Uh, Back then, uh, as it is actually in many uh, Latin American countries as well, Jesus is a very common name. And so, uh, but we have a specific Jesus called Justice. Okay, so Aristarchus is mentioned there uh, in verse ten as a fellow prisoner with Paul. Now, the language there is a little uncertain. It might mean that he's actually with Paul in prison right now, or he has suffered by being imprisoned like Paul has been. Okay? It's a little unsure, but he certainly uh has been incarcerated for being a believer in Jesus. Uh is really if nothing else, if he's not with Paul at that point. Now, Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, also known as John Mark, right? John Mark, uh and that's an interesting story. Uh there's there was a rift, okay, between Paul and Barnabas here, and, and John Mark. And the issue was, and if you want to trace this, you can go to Acts chapter 15, really starting in around verse 37 to 39, and you will see that what happened was um, John Mark abandoned Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. Okay, uh, And then, so... At one point then Paul refused to work with John Mark. Uh, and so it created a rift between Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas stuck with John Mark. And um, I don't know, we don't know everything that went on there, okay, but disagreements happen in ministry. We don't know why um, John Mark uh left them. Uh what well, we don't know the specific issue. But I'm thankful for the Barnabases of the world because, uh, you know, he stuck with them. Maybe he saw something Paul didn't see that, you know, may, okay, maybe he's a, he's a little rough around the edges and he's got a lot of learning to do. I mean, I'm, I'm reading into some things here. But Barnabas does mean the son of encouragement. And I really feel like he was living up to his name by kind of sticking with John Mark, you know. Well, so at some point, they must have had a reconciliation with Paul because here he is speaking of him here. And he's also mentioned later, like in 2 Timothy chapter 4, which was one of the last uh, letters we have from Paul before he was executed. And so he's mentioned in a positive light there, John Mark is, in 2 Timothy 4.11. And then, of course, here in Colossians. So, so when you've you, you got to realize that it's kind of like we're sitting here you, you look to the left, you look to the right, and you're like, "You know, there's a story there, okay there, Everybody's got a story and multiple stories of things that have happened in their life and brought them to this point, or brought them to this room. There's a story. Uh, it's part of God's story, um, even our our messes, right God uses. and so So I read things like this and, and you reflect and you and you follow it down the road, look back at Acts, and you could be encouraged that, you know. Um, maybe you've messed up. Uh, we, again, we don't know the issue here, but the Lord uh, is, is just looking for us to turn back to Him. Uh, maybe you're a Barnabas to somebody. Maybe you know somebody who's hanging on by a thread, spiritually speaking, not doing so well. Um, and so uh, just know that there's there's certainly a place for that ministry, okay, uh, to be an encourager and to help people hang in there uh, with the Lord. So. Uh, those are the, it's interesting that he mentions uh, you know, these individuals that as the three, how does he say it here? Verse 11, these are the only men of the circumcision. Right? That's how we know that the men of the circumcision would have been referring to Jews because it was the practice of Jews to, to, to uh, practice circumcision right? as the mark of being one of, of uh, the Jewish people. And so he's saying, there he says, these are among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And, and um, you know, I'm sure would have probably been one of many uh, people that have come to faith that were um, Jewish, obviously, and so, but these were people that were kind of on his team, right? They were helping him get it done. All right, so there's our three Messianic Jews. Now we have some, two of Paul's close friends are mentioned next. Uh, Epaphras, who's mentioned earlier in the book, but here again a lot is said of him. It says in verse twelve, Epaphras, who is one of you. So what does that mean? He's one of you. He's a Colossian, right? He's from there, right? That's what it means. Um, and so so he's a Colossian, and he says he's one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus. He greets you and. Always, he's always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Now this kind of fits in with Paul's prayer earlier in the letter. Remember, he kind of one of the things he prays for is that they would know the will of God, right? And would and hold fast to it and do it and obey it. And and this also just reminds me that you know, prayer is the work of God, okay? It's not a side add-on, right? It actually is the work of God. When you're praying, right, if you're praying for one another, for people that don't know the Lord, for ones who are struggling, you're doing the work of God. And it's also cool to know that, you know, here it says, he's struggling on your behalf in his prayers. I mean, you can almost hear him, the angst in himself, just, you know, crying out to God. and you know, may God give us that kind of fervor to realize that our prayers accomplish His His will. And might we, uh, as the Lord not only sometimes lays people on your heart to pray for, but also as they share those requests with you, maybe personally or um, through a text message or in a small group or just through conversation, might you see that as as a ministry to that individual? Okay? And that's, what it, that's who Epaphras was. He was a prayer warrior, among many other things, um, but definitely it says a servant of Christ Jesus. You are serving Jesus Christ when you pray for each other, okay? When you pray for each other. And I'm, I'm going to put a plug in for our prayer meeting, you guys. Um, I would just love for more people to be a part of that, okay? Um, because it, you need to see that that meeting is one time a month where we actually get to unite together. Right? at the same time, right? and whether you come in person or whether you join online, I would urge you, the next time we send a, a prayer reminder out, would you please join us because that is the work of God. Okay? It is the work of God. So you also have then mentioned Luke, right? And this is uh, you know, the, the writer of the Gospel of Luke that he's talking about. And this is where we learn that he is a physician. Uh, and before, I think people even knew about this in this letter, they would they would look at his writings in Luke and, and also in the book of Acts. We're pretty sure he wrote the book of Acts as well. Um, and uh, they would say, well, it, it, all the detail that we have uh, on and, and, and medical things that are mentioned, this must have been a physician that wrote this. And it was. And his name was Luke. All right, well now uh so those are his two close friends that are mentioned, but then we have Demas, who eventually deserted Paul, and this is kind of it re- just re- kind of reminds us of there are some sad times in ministries when you're you know because you know what is ministry ministry is is in a sense us uh, using our gifts um to, to help each other, to serve each other, and to build each other up, and we'll get to that here in a little bit, in the faith so that we might become more mature, right? And it's also, there's an aspect of ministry that has to do with um, proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the good news, right? And so, um, but, but sometimes in the course of that, when you invest your life into another's life, some people, Depart from the way; they stop following Jesus. And you know, hopefully, you know, uh, by God's grace, we can continue to reach out to individuals that that happens with, uh, and still obviously love them and try to help, urge them to get back on the path, right? Uh, but sometimes it doesn't happen. It's a it's a sad story. And why don't you take a look with me in uh, Second Timothy? I, I don't have the the verse up there on the screen, but you can just turn in your Bibles or use your device here. Second Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4 so in verse 10. And so this is towards the end of this letter where he's starting to give some personal remarks. It says, do your, verse 9, it says, do your best to come to me. He's writing this, this is Paul writing to his son in the faith, right? Someone who he has he helped him grow in a relationship with Jesus and come to know Jesus. He's writing this letter to Timothy, and towards the end here he says, Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. And that's a sad statement, right? It says he has, he has fallen in love with this present world, I don't know what that was, materialism, something, but he's been sucked down some path that would be characterized as being in love with the world. And um, that can happen, it can happen. And so that's why, in a sense, we also need to be in community, right? We need to be in community. It doesn't doesn't necessarily guarantee that somebody um, won't depart from the way of Jesus, but it certainly is one of those things that... Uh, that when you are in community, uh, you're in a safer place than being on your own and not in community. Because uh, the scripture tells us that the Satan is—he's uh, prowling about, right, like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. He's looking for someone to devour, and you know it's just, it's metaphorical, but it's, it's it's real. I mean, this is a real spiritual battle going on. In people's lives that Satan would love nothing more than to someone to kind of get sidelined spiritually, get sucked in by the world, start living for anything other than Jesus. Right? And so, when you run across this uh, this mention here of, of Demas, it, it just reminds us that you know none of us uh, is is immune to falling to falling into sin. So we have to be careful. We need to put the guards up. We need to not see how close you can get to the cliff of sin. <laughs> Try to back away from it, right? Now, another aspect that you, you pick up on here is that there is some churches meeting in homes. Churches meeting in homes. It mentions Nympha and the church in her house in verse 15. Right, it says, "Give greetings to the brothers in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house." So uh, it leads you to believe that Nympha and this church in her house was in Laodicea area, right? Um, but you'll see this all over the New Testament, right? You will have uh, little house churches, right, that are part of that city church, basically, because you know you see how Paul refers it to the the church in Laodicea, the church in Colossae, right? So. Um, we might see it as these little small group gatherings, right? These local little fellowships, um, but this was a church that was meeting in her house, and, and just shows us how, you know, I mean, if you, i would just show you uh, or mention to you in First Corinthians sixteen nineteen, so First Corinthians sixteen nineteen, Romans sixteen thirteen, among many other places in Scripture, mentioned people using their homes as ministry centers for the gospel. I would encourage you to do that. Um not necessarily that you have to start a church in your home, but that you would use your home as a ministry center, a place where ministry is done. In other words, that you're thinking uh in a w- in such a way that you would want to invite people into your home and somehow minister to them in the name of Jesus. Okay? Start off might start off with a meal or having a coffee or something like that. Uh, and then just see where the Lord takes it. Right. But use all that God's given us is what we need to do. Um, because we need to not see life as this is my this is my spiritual life, and this is my other life. Um, that's not the right way to view life. All all everything that's going on is spiritual, whether we'll recognize it or not, right? And so may God help us to use the things that He's given us to be good stewards um, to, to minister to people around us. Um, maybe it would be hosting a small group in your, in your home. Uh, or you leading a Bible study in your neighborhood. Um, I got an idea for somebody. It's not for me, but uh, you know, I, I've got lots of ideas for you. Um have you ever you know, <laughs> <laughs> This one specifically is for no, <laughs> just kidding. But um, how many people have heard of the Nextdoor app? The App on your phone called the Next Nextdoor. So again, this is just an idea. And I've heard this before. I'm, I'm sure I probably not the originator of this idea. But uh, the Nextdoor app, basically, when you install it, it asks you what your address is, and then and then puts you in the in kind of uh, uh, socially in a network in your neighborhood, all right? And so um, I'm finding, and so I did that when we moved to Grove City. And um, I've actually asked for some recommendations for things on there, kind of like you would on Facebook, but it's more focused uh, on your neighborhood. Um, But also just thinking that uh, I see people all the time sign on and say, hi, I just moved here. I just moved here. Um, So now... I was just thinking that a friend of mine named Tom Bernardo, his wife, when they moved out to California, um, used a little, I'll just call it kind of a book study, and it's called After the Back Boxes Are Unpacked. We actually uh, did this a lot of years ago, I mean, we're a couple decades ago, all right, <laughs> okay? It's called After the Boxes Are Unpacked. It's a little book study, I mean, like a little thin book study. Like maybe four or five meetings where you're trying, you're kind of getting together with people that are going through a move. Uh, There's a lot of changes that happen when you move to a new area, depending especially depending on how far you move to get there. And she has used this as an opportunity to just develop some friendships, Uh, and then out of that, uh, at least a couple of times, Tom tells me some Bible studies have started and some um, sharing the gospel was had. And so, if you're lacking people uh, to reach out to, and you don't know the people around that's moving in, I mean, that's just an idea. Uh, A way to use your home. You you know, I don't know. You pray about it, right? You just be thinking about how you can use your home as a lighthouse for the gospel. Okay? Now, I want to summarize this, you know, as we kind of begin doing down here, making some anecdotal comments about these individuals and connecting them with with different passages of Scripture and so on. But let's bring it home for a second here, okay? Um, When you take a look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses 4 to 7, that's what I've got right here, so I'll just read this for you. uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 7. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Right? So, this is important. We're just seeing that with all these examples that we just saw, these individuals, these men and women, right, uh, that, that there are all have a part to play, right? And I, I hope that, if nothing else, from that section, you see that Christianity is not a spectator sport. <laughs> it's a team sport. It's something that we're supposed to participate in together. Use our gifts amongst each other, as well as to reach out together. Okay, so this is this is important. Now, um, another thing I think that you'll realize as we look through uh, this. That group of people, that the ministry team consists of people from very diverse backgrounds, right? Uh, men and women, uh, Jews and Gentiles, um, you know, people that were probably well to do, others that didn't have hardly anything, right? Again, like I mentioned, a, a runaway slave, right? And then you've got this physician. Um, and so in Colossians chapter 3, verse 11, so back earlier, making some connections earlier in the letter here as we bring this to a close in Colossians 4. Earlier in the letter, Colossians 3, verse 11 says, Here, here, he's saying, Here, you know, as, this, as a group of believers, he's saying, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave free, but Christ is all and in all. He's saying, You know, those, those labels have no place here. We're Christians. We're followers of Jesus. That's what matters, okay? doesn't matter uh, where you came from, what your past is, any of that, um, you know. And so I-, I wanted to share with you um, a little bit of something uh, here from uh, a book called The Compelling Community. Um, but you've got to realize that, you know, part of the glory of the church is that it is made up of various types of people. That's a glory to God. Um, And and we know that, you know, in heaven, right, there's going to be people there from every tribe and tongue and people, every people group that there is, there will be someone there, right? I mean, um, and so really, we should be seeking to um, spend some time with people that are not just like you, okay? Um, Because you're going to be spending a lot more time later with a lot of people that are not like you, okay? Um, now, let me share this from this book called uh, "The compelling Commun- In the Compelling Community. So, in the, in the compelling community, Mark Dever and Jamie Dunlop argue that churches often create impediments to displaying our gospel centered diversity by grouping people based on natural <clears throat> similarities. We organize aged group Sunday school classes, small groups based on shared stages in life, men and women's groups, etc. We design services for those who prefer traditional music and those who like contemporary. But he says, "But the danger of this approach," they argue, "is that it dis- it obscures the supernatural diversity that the gospel produces." Now, what they're not saying is that's wrong. It's not wrong to have age-based, um, you know, uh, kids ministry or whatever. But but he's saying that rather, um, they're arguing that there should be that there should be relationships where you're only friends because you're Christians. That it doesn't matter what your age is here. It doesn't matter uh, whether you're a man or woman. Uh, we're, we're friends because we're Christians. Okay? And I just thought that was worth pointing out. He's just saying, you know, um, this. a lot of times we kind of gravitate gravitate to people that are like us and like only the things that we like. I'm talking about Things that don't matter, like the, you know, the, um, they're called audiophora, things that in the Greek, it's like, this, is, this doesn't matter. This is like a, it's an opinion thing, okay? Um, whether it's styles of worship or whatever. And so this, this passage that we just went through in Colossians 4 is a reminder that ministry teams are made up of people uh, from all kinds of backgrounds. All right, now the third thing um, is that we've got ministry team members uh, We're considered gospel workers and servants of Jesus. Now, think about yourself, right? So um, I consider you if you, if you, if you consider yourself a member of this church, if you're a member of this church, I consider you to be, you're a gospel worker here, okay? You're, you know, because again, it kind of goes back to the, uh, we're, we're not sitting in the stands, we're getting in the game, right? And so, now, when you read through the passage in Colossians 4, listen to some of these phrases. Faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. Faithful and beloved brother. Fellow workers for the kingdom. Servant of Christ Jesus, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. He has worked hard for you. You know? And let that be said of us, towards one another, right? Right? We're servants of God. We're servants of the Lord. We're fellow workers. We're we're on a mission together, working for God's kingdom's sake, right? We 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 do have a job to do. Uh, we're serving the Lord, right? So so again, just trying to, you know, you know, I'm telling you, and I'm telling you again, and I'm telling you a third time, basically. Uh, This idea of that we're we're serving the Lord, we're active in ministry is what God is calling us to. And When you look at, again, back in Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. You're serving the Lord Christ. That's who we're serving, right? And so may God help us, right, to see that we're a people on mission, that we're a people serving the Lord, right? We don't sit idly by and just wait for Jesus to return. He's got work for us to do. I'm so glad you asked what the mission is, okay, because that's coming next. Um, The ministry team has a goal. Right, you got a team, you kind of want to know what the goal is, right? Well, we know that in baseball the, the, the goal is to score the most runs. Right? That's that's at the end of the day, that's who wins, right? Um, and as believers, um, in Colossians, we really have, as well as many other places in scripture, what our goal is. Okay, what our goal is. So as we serve the Lord, like we've been talking about, as we are supposed to be actively engaged in serving Him. Uh, here, and inside these four walls, and out there, outside these four walls, uh, what is the mission? Well, proclaiming Christ, well, we had it up there, right? Proclaiming Christ and presenting everyone mature in Christ. Those are the two things. Now, I just didn't make those up because they've been mentioned in the book of Colossians. Okay, Colossians 1, 28, 29 says, Him we proclaim. We're proclaiming Jesus, right? Warning everyone. You know, when, when you're sharing the gospel of Christ and the implications, right, of the truth of the gospel that, you know, like I mentioned in communion, that, you know, we are separated from God because of our sin. And if, if we don't put our faith in Christ, we will be separated uh, from God forever in hell. Uh, those are grave implications, right? And so every gospel communication on certain level is going to be a warning. Okay. Uh, you can say it as nice as you want, but if somebody actually gets it, they're going to say, "You mean if I don't put my faith in Jesus, I'm lost forever." Yes. <laughs> That's true. Um you know, but it doesn't have to be that way if you put your faith in Christ, right? So, so part of our job individually and also that we do in the service is to proclaim the gospel. Right? We're supposed to be proclaiming the gospel of Jesus and warning people, warning people. You know, I was just when I've been reading through the book of Luke, man. And I, you know, people always say though, Jesus was such a nice guy; he would never hurt anybody's feelings. I'm gonna say you haven't read the Bible, okay? Because I just read uh, in in Luke chapter eleven and twelve, he is he just told people that they needed to repent. He told them stories that they needed to repent, and he just laid it out. Directly you need to repent, you need to turn from your sin and turn to god and and he just he just said it you know, and we could say it in the nicest way, but the gospel will offend okay some people will trip over jesus, okay uh they'll have a problem with that, but you know but some people won't right uh and and I'm Obviously, if you're here and you're a believer, you're one of the ones that that didn't. Or maybe you initially did, but then you had a change of mind, which is (laughs) repentance. That's what that is. It's a change of mind about who Jesus is and what your um, status is before God. And so, as we proclaim him, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So, it's proclamation. And then we're supposed to uh, be helping one another grow up in the faith, right? To grow up. And so, you know, some of that's information. Some of that's like we have to learn what God's will is for us. Like he said in the book of Colossians earlier, in the letter earlier, we need to know what God's will is and understand it and walk in that. So sometimes some people don't know what the will of God is, you know, so they need to get into the Scriptures and study it together with others and learn in that not only knowledge transfer but then the living that out it's in the living it out that really is the growth okay the growth starts happening as you step out and live life Jesus's way by the power he supplies obviously as we've said earlier in this series through the power of the holy spirit so proclamation this is this is back up to the uh to that one. This one right here where it says that proclaiming Christ, proclaiming Christ, presenting everyone mature in Christ, that, that's going to take us a lifetime, okay? Those two things, right? But, but make no mistake, that's what we're supposed to be about as believers, and that's what it means to be on Jesus' ministry team, right? And he calls everybody to be his fellow workers, I would say if there's one prayer you could pray for yourself and for the church is, Lord, raise up workers. Make us workers. And I don't mean it has to be somebody in full-time ministry. I'm saying like most of us won't be, right? But raise up people who get a vision to serve the Lord where they live, work, and play, right? And have this worker mentality. I'm, I'm working whatever you do, right? Isn't that what it said? Whatever you do. We're supposed to do it as unto the Lord, right? because it's the Lord Christ we serve. Well, I think we just need to pray, all right? Let's ask for God's help. Heavenly Father, we are come to you this morning, and as we, this letter has come to a close, and as we see this kind of... Uh, Staccato listing of individuals who played a part in the ministry that was going on there, which Paul was a part of. Lord, help us to see that you've called us to be a part of this ministry team here in the local church, Father. Help us to see that it's the Lord Jesus Christ whom we serve, that we are fellow workers, God, that we're working together to proclaim Christ and to help each other mature. And come to a maturity in our walk with Jesus. And that's going to come as we learn and as we obey what you show us, and even through the trials of life, that will help us become more mature. Lord, please give us the grace to do that. Lord, thank you for the example that we have in Paul and these people who served with him. Lord, may we be found faithful. We look over that list, or that just word, that faithful and fellow worker, or just keeps popping out.